Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au Acts chapter 3, reading from verse 1, the Bible says, One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him and did as did John. And then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. And then Peter said, silver or gold I don't have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. And then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. The old versions, walking and leaping and pray. Can you imagine what this guy experienced that day? Can you imagine? Let's pray. And so, Father, we just thank you for your grace and mercy. Father, we thank you that your spirit is here to speak to us even today. We know the power of truth. We know that truth can set us free. And so, Holy Spirit, just come and speak to us today. We're hungry for your word. Let there be nothing in me that hinders this word. Let there be no distractions, I pray. Open our hearts and ears to hear your voice above all else. Speak to us as individuals and corporately as a church today, we pray. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Uh, I want to speak this morning on the subject, uh, the power of the mundane. Uh, I made some reference to this a couple of Wednesday nights ago, and um, this is the message I want to share, the power uh, of the mundane. Now, one of the things that we seem to have an aversion to today is boredom. Uh, if something is deemed boring or mundane, uh, we avoid it like the plague. Uh, we just can't handle it. Um, ads have to grab us in the first 10 seconds. Uh, text messages have to be short and sharp, no more than 140 characters. If you can't write it in 140 characters, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to read it. If it's longer than that, I mean, if I get some emails that are really, really long. If they're long, I don't, I, I don't read it. <laughs> I just read the first line or two. So if you want to send me an email, make it short, okay? Uh, Talks have to be like a TED Talk, no more than 15 minutes. Uh, We have this aversion to boredom. We have to be involved in activities that are exciting, uh, energizing, moving. They have to move the heart. They have to move the emotions. And if it doesn't grab me in the first five minutes, well, we move on to some other kind of activity. I hope this message has grabbed you just a little bit so far. I just hope it's grabbing you and you're not already checking your your emails. Uh, The word boring means to weary by dullness, tedious repetition. Comes from a family of words, there's a few cousins. Uh, Lethargy, apathy, uh, fatigue, monotony, yawn. If I see anyone yawn this morning. (laughs) Tediousness, flatness, dullness. Um, This sickness of boring... uh, Today starts from a young age. Children will say something like, you know, I'm bored. (laughs) I remember saying that to my parents. Um, 
No, we didn't. We never said that to our parents. <laughs> we, never, <laughs> we wouldn't have been bored very long, I can assure you. <laughs> we would have been running and finding something to do. Um, so, you know, when our kids say they're bored, we, uh, we feel responsible to entertain them. We throw gadgets at them. And uh, there's a whole lot of research at the moment that, that shows that children who are spent more time on the gadgets and, and so on um, uh, actually are less creative and so on and so on. Uh, back in our days, we played cricket down the street. Uh, we had a creek. We did jigsaw puzzles. Do I have any Jigsaw Puzzle fans in the congregation? Come on, you guys are the intelligent ones, all right? You guys there, that, I saw those hands. Um, can, you, can you believe that we grew up without any gadgets and we survived? How about that? Hey, there you go. Um, Ten years ago, we shifted our attention every three minutes. Uh, now we do it every 45 seconds. And we do it all day long. Uh, the average person checks email 74 times a day. 74 times a day. Starts first thing in the morning. How many people do it first thing in the morning? Come on. I do. Uh, it's the last thing we do at night. We just check our email. Just make sure that, you know, some important email hasn't come, you know, just before we go to bed. Uh, interestingly, what researchers who study boredom, I mean, who would study boredom? Seriously. <laughs> uh, are starting to understand that there is brilliance in boredom. Uh, I listened to a TED Talk recently called How Boredom Can Lead to Brilliance. Uh, recommend you have a look at that. And what she says is uh, that by doing nothing... Uh, we actually become more creative and productive. Um, that by just doing activities that are what seem monotonous, tedious, um, we actually start to tap into creativity and productivity inside of us. And there's a whole bunch of quotes uh, that she talks about or makes reference to, but I didn't want to bore you with the quotes. Um, there is, uh, you, go, you go, to, uh, go to YouTube and you'll see two versions of it. There's the 16-minute version of this TED Talk, and then there's a two-minute version. Um, guess which one I listen to? <laughs> well, 16 minutes sounded too long and boring. Um, here's the thought that I want to share with you today. Here's the simple thought that I want to share with you today. There's power in what seems to be mundane. That there is power in the mundane. There's something very powerful about consistently, continuously doing things that on the surface seem mundane and boring. There's, there's power in consistently doing certain things that on the surface may seem mundane. And nowhere is this more true than in the area of spiritual development. Um, power of this can be seen in the text that we read, Peter and John on the way to the temple at the hour of prayer. They meet this man who's crippled, who's, uh, who's begging for money. And as they meet him, uh, Peter says, I don't have any money, but in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. Man is miraculously healed and he's jumping and leaping and praising God. Two principles I want to share from this story, and then I want to uh, just make an announcement about our, about our services uh, towards the end. Um, first principle is that spiritual growth happens gradually. Real spiritual growth happens gradually. Um, we have all these preconceived ideas about spiritual development and spiritual growth. Uh, we think that if we're going to grow spiritually, we need to go to this conference and read this book, do this course, learn Hebrew and Greek. Um, we think somehow that these are the things that are going are are to cause us to suddenly, suddenly reach our potential. 
The reason why we haven't grown is because we haven't found the right book yet or the right ministry yet. It's like we're searching for something and we think, well, well, I, have, I haven't been to that right conference yet. I haven't read that right book yet. But, but if, I just, if I just do that, then I'm going to grow spiritually. Um, I don't believe any of that's true at all. Um, these things are good and helpful. Please don't misunderstand me. Uh, conferences are great. Courses are great. Learning Hebrew and Greek. Greek could help you. That's fine. Knock yourself out, you know. Um, but most important, if we're going to grow spiritually, develop spiritually, we need to develop spiritual habits and spiritual routines, and we need to do those things consistently. Bible says one day Peter and John was going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now, there's a sense in this text that they went to the temple at the time of prayer, that there was an established time of prayer and they were going there as they did on a regular basis this wasn't you know hey we've got this special time of prayer at 3 p.m today anybody want to come you come there's a sense as we read the text that it was an established time that they would go and pray at three in the afternoon I think uh, at three in the afternoon as, as it says in our text and and they did this on a regular basis Earlier on in the year, we looked at a passage in Luke chapter 4 about Jesus. The um, Bible says he went to Nazareth where he'd been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read. He, 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 went, he went to the synagogue. This wasn't an unusual activity. This was something that, that Jesus did as he was growing up. He went to the temple or the synagogue, as was his custom. He did this on a regular basis. If we're going to grow spiritually and develop spiritually, we need to establish some spiritual disciplines and practice them consistently. Now, I know that this is a simple thought, and I'm sorry, I'm, well, I'm not going to apologize for it. This is a simple thought to understand. The doing is the hard part. It, what, what makes a great marriage? I'll tell you what makes a great marriage. It's the little things. We think, who knows what we've got to do to have a great marriage. No, it's consistently doing those little, little things. And if we're going to grow spiritually, develop spiritually, we need to establish some spiritual disciplines and practice them consistently. And as we consistently do what we may seem routine and mundane, we actually grow. Think about a baby. Um, I talked about this a few Wednesday nights ago. How does a baby become an adult? How does a baby, that, you know, this little thing that you can barely hold in your hand, how do they become giants, adults? Uh, it's one spoon food at a time. It's what it is, really. What is it? What is it? It's one spoon food, food, of food at a time. It's one aeroplane. Come on, how many parents did the aeroplane? Come on, open your mouth. Come on, let's do the aeroplane. Here we go. Yeah. How many parents are still doing that with their 20-year-olds? Come on. Probably shouldn't be doing it anymore. I mean, they should learn themselves. Uh, it's one drink after another. It's day in and day out feeding that child, and after 20 years, they're this monster. It's one spoonful of food at a time. Real growth is gradual. How do we get older? We get older one day at a time. If you compare the photo of yourself uh, yesterday to today, you will see very little difference between yesterday and today. You practically look the same. And you'll go, well, there's no difference here. But if you compare a photo of yourself from 20 years ago, you will see an incredible difference. 
And I looked at photos 20, 30 years ago. I was going to show you one. Oh, I'm not, and then I said, I'm not going to show you one. I'm not going to show you those photos. Uh, um, it's a massive difference. Isn't it true what I'm saying? Come on, church. Been a massive change. The greatest spiritual growth in our lives is going to come from daily, consistently, opening our Bible and just in, in the morning, just opening our Bible and, and, and saying, God, would you speak to me through your word? It's every day just spending a few minutes, just, you know, five, ten minutes, just putting, finding a place where we can just begin to speak to God and talk to, about, to God about what's happening in our lives. It's coming to church like we do here. It's going to a life group. It's one day at a time, one week at a time, one month after time. And if we do this consistently, what, what, what may seem routine and mundane, but if we do it consistently... That's where the greatest spiritual growth actually happens. Can I hear an amen somewhere? Uh, may not notice a lot of difference day to day, but when you look back on 10 years, you will notice incredible difference. Bible says in Hebrews, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up together as some are in the habit of doing, which means that there were some that were in the habit of missing and there, there were some that were in, the, were in the habit of meeting together. And Paul is saying, make sure you're the latter. Oh, Pastor Joe, it's just another service. If I, if, I miss, if I miss another service, really, what's the big deal? And really, there's probably no big deal. But, 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 but listen, it's, it's as we meet together week in and week out that God does something. Something begin to change in our lives. It's, it's one truth. It's one morsel of truth. But that morsel starts to change something in our lives. Never underestimate the power of habits and routine. Never underestimate the power of habits. And that's where the greatest change happens in our life. You know, I've been through the gym phases, trust me. I reckon I've been through them four or five times in my life. Going through one at the moment. And you know, I, this is going to change my life. Really? Seriously, walk around the block. Just, just, just do that day in and day out, day in and day out. Just walk around the block and you'll start to see some changes in your life. We're always looking for that quick fix. We're always looking for that one thing, that one thing that's just going, oh, yes, this is exciting. Nothing. <laughs> it's exciting for the first week. That's about it. <laughs> You've heard me say the, the, the hardest machine at the gym is that front door. It just can't seem to... Yes. <laughs> Just, I don't know how many kids, I just can't seem to, yeah, I just, and then I leave, you know. That's, that's um, never, listen, church, listen really carefully. Never underestimate the power of habits and routine. Never underestimate the power of habits and routine. And the greatest spiritual development happens as we, as we day in and day, and day out. We just, we just read our Bible when we pray and we come to church. Oh, we could miss, but I'm not going to miss because we understand the power of church. We understand that when two or three gather together in my name, there I am in the midst of it. I want to be part of that. I want to be part of that. Um, last night I was reading um, Psalm chapter 1. Listen to this. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the seat of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight, listen, is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf doesn't wither. Whatever he does, prosper. Do we want to prosper? What's the secret of prosperity? The secret of prosperity is not that deal. The secret of prosperity is day in and day out. Loving the Word of God. And I just read the Word. It makes a difference in my life. 
Bible says in Galatians, and let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we, if we do not lose heart. Here's my version. And, and let us not give in to boredom in doing the right thing. Let's not become weary in doing the right thing. Let's not give up doing the right thing. Let's not give in to boredom. Let, let's, let's not let the mundane uh, stop us from doing the right thing. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Paul's using a farming analogy. A farmer doesn't plant a tree and expect fruit next week. That's dumb. <laughs> he doesn't plant a tree and go, well, there's no fruit here tomorrow. You know, he, he, he doesn't think like that. He plants the tree. He knows that in due season, he's going to reap a harvest. And so he waters and fertilizes and sprays for insects. <laughs> Pulls out the weeds, tills the soil. Nothing exciting or thrilling about any of those things. And oh, the farmer's not moved. Oh, I can't wait to spray the weeds today. Ooh. But if they do it consistently, they will reap a harvest in due season. Now, Paul is teaching a natural principle here, but actually there's a, it's a spiritual principle because it applies very much in the spiritual realm. And today we're always looking for that exciting. We're always looking for that, that big deal. In business, it's always that big deal. Just can't wait to smash that deal. Is it Really? Is that where the greatest growth is going to come? Actually, the greatest growth is going to come is, is just doing the mundane day in and day out consistently. And that's how growth actually happens. Can I hear your name, man? Never underestimate the power of the mundane. Now, I call it the mundane. I'm, I'm, I, I don't even like using those words, but, but because there's nothing mundane about reading your Bible. There's nothing mundane about coming to church. I don't care what you say. There's nothing. It may seem mundane. It may just be, it may just be another song set. How many people were encouraged by the worship this morning? Come on. I don't know, but I was encouraged all my life. You've been, you've been faithful, Lord God. I don't know about you, but that did something inside of me. I could have sung that for the rest. I could have skipped the message and God just sung that a few more times. It's powerful. Nothing mundane about a service. Nothing mundane about reading the Word of God, especially when you open it and you say, oh God, would you do something with my life? Oh God, would you speak to me, Lord God, through your Word? Nothing mundane about spending time in the presence of God and just opening our hearts before God and saying, God's, God, do something with my life. But it's as we do those things that we see the greatest growth. We need to resist the temptation to chase the stars and understand the power of the mundane. Second principle that comes out of uh, this text is that out of the ordinary, the extraordinary happens. It's on the basis of the ordinary that the extraordinary happens. Uh, notice the text that we read. One day Peter and John were going to the temple at the time of prayer. And at three in the afternoon, near the temple was a man who was crippled from birth, begging for money. Peter says, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk. Out of the ordinary, out of the mundane, out of, out of, out of the, the routine, going to the temple of the hour of prayer, the extraordinary happened and this man was healed. Can you imagine if they didn't go to the temple at the hour of prayer? Can you imagine if that, that day they'd missed, would have missed this opportunity? 
Again, text that we looked at earlier on in the year. Jesus went into the synagogue, as was the custom. He stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it was written, the Spirit of the Lord is on me. Because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has set me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. To set the oppressed free. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And Jesus said to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. It looked like an ordinary Sabbath. It just looked like another day at the office. It just looked like another service. It looked like somebody else leading a few more songs. And here was the guest speaker. Jesus was the guest speaker. And he was getting up to preach the word and he's handed the scroll of Isaiah. And it wasn't just an ordinary Sunday. Jesus was launching his ministry on that particular day. Out of the ordinary, out of the regular, out of, out of, out of the stuff that just happened week in and week out, out of the routine, the extraordinary happens. So as we read our, our, our week in and week out, read the Bible. Come to church, pray and seek God. Go to life group. It's as we do what may seem ordinary and routine that God intervenes in our life. There are those moments where God intersects in our life, where God speaks in an incredible way and something changes. It was just another service. It was just another altar call. But as we obeyed the prompting of the Holy Spirit, we were healed and we were set free. It, it was just another sermon, but, but as he was preaching, or as she was speaking, I, I, I just, I, there was just one truth that changed my life. But if we hadn't developed that routine, we would never have experienced any of that. Bible says of the early church that they had gathered together in the upper room waiting for the Holy Spirit. And Jesus had instructed them to go to Jerusalem, wait for the coming of the Spirit, that they would be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Bible says, Acts chapter 2, verse 1, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. How long have they been there? Um, we're not sure. We did a bit of research this week. We're still not 100% sure. We know that it was 50 days between the resurrection of Jesus and Pentecost. So we're not exactly sure how much time they spent there in the upper room. But we think it's about 10 days. It was a 10-day prayer meeting. Um, Jesus said to them, go and wait and, and, and for the Holy Spirit to come. And, and there they were waiting. One day goes by, two days go by, nothing happened. How long, how long were they going to wait for? If it was us there, we'd go, oh, this is boring. Nothing's happening. <laughs> Just an ordinary prayer meeting where they had gathered. All, all they really had was the promise of Jesus. Nothing more. And they were just waiting and waiting. Five, six, seven days went by. Uh, if, if, if it was us, we would have we moved on. We would have moved on to something else. But here they were waiting in the upper room, crying out to God. And I love this scripture, Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, sound like the blowing of a violet, suddenly. What were they doing? They were just sitting there. They were in a prayer meeting. They were in a prayer meeting that, that lasted for some time. We don't exactly know how time, but it was more than a day. They were just waiting there. And then suddenly, sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. And began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. You know, many people have sought the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They said, well, well, I prayed once and nothing happened. And so we move on. That's the way we are with God. You see, see, God has to work on our timetable instead of us working on His timetable. It's God, you know, it's got to be quick and fast. You know, like a text, like an email, 140 characters. You know, make it quick. And if you're going to speak, do it quickly. How many people know God's not in a hurry? How many people know God doesn't care about our timetable? 
He's not affected by gadgets. God doesn't check his email. Text. You know, we pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit and nothing happens. The old Pentecostal used to, word, used to use a word called tarrying. And they would tarry in the presence of God. In other words, they would cry out to God and they would keep on crying out to God until they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Something that our generation needs to learn. So something that we need to learn today. We need, we need to learn, to, to under, we, need, we need to understand the power of the mundane. We need to understand the power of routine. We need to understand, I don't care how this feels. I don't care that this doesn't feel exciting. I know this is the right thing and this is what I'm going to do. We need to understand the power of that. And in the midst of the routine, in the midst of what seems mundane, the extraordinary happens. The suddenly happens. God suddenly speaks. I mean, I could tell you that that's been the story of my life. You know, God, God hasn't spoken to me, you know, every single day. I can assure you of that. Some people may think that we have a special hotline, pastors do. I can tell you, pastors do not have a special hotline. I can assure you of that. And I, and I, and I, I know for, for, for years, even, even uh, when I was quite young, I just used to, used to spend time with God every morning. I used to just go for a walk and pray and just cry out to God. Did God speak? And, you know, no, God never spoke in an amazing way. Did, did I ever hear Joe? No, I never heard Joe. That was, no, it was my dad saying Joe. But um, there was, there was, you know, it, it, just, it just did what I knew needed to be done. That, that there was some power in praying, some power in just reading his word, power in coming to church. And it was in one of those times that God spoke. And I know that it was God. And you say, well, how do you know it was God? I don't know how I know it was God. I, I know it was God. I'm there working. I'm just doing what I'm normally doing. And, and, and God said, Philippians once, being confident of this one thing, that he who has started a good work in you shall bring it to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. Philippians 1.6. Now, that was a, a rhema for me, but, you know, God wants to speak to you. Listen, this is not just about me. I'm just as ordinary as you. I bleed like you bleed. I'm just like you. We are just the same. And so I want to encourage you because I believe God wants to speak to you. I believe that God wants to do something with your life. I believe God has a word for you. You're breathing. It's because God has a plan and a purpose for your life. But because we are so busy and running and, and chasing the stars, we never discipline ourselves. We never still our soul to be able to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. There's power in the mundane. There is power in the mundane. There is power in the routine. The routine of just day in and day out. Day in and day out. I pick up my Bible and I read the Word of God. There's power in just spending some time with God and just talking to God about what's going on in my life. There's power in saying, you know, on Sunday there's church. I'm going to be in church. On Wednesday night, I'm going to be there. Was life group this week? Well, I'm going to be there. Oh, but the last three were boring. I don't care. I'm going to go again. Because I know there's something powerful about this. Something powerful about this. See these principles at work as we look at the history of our church. Church began around 1957, which means we've been here for over 60 years. <laughs> we soon can get our pension soon. You know the way we're going. <laughs> few more years, can retire. Uh, church began in the homes of a couple of people in the church where a handful of people gathered for prayer and Bible study. That's it. Migrants gathered together in a house for some prayer and Bible study. And they would meet week in and week out, gathering, praying, studying the Bible. 
When they heard the writer of do the Hebrews words, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, they didn't just read that. They didn't just hear it. They actually obeyed it. They understood something of the power of this. These, these guys that had barely grade one, they heard the word of God. They understood the power of the word of God and they did this. Took that scripture seriously and they would meet together two, three, four times a week. There's the Bible study. It was the prayer. It was uh, the Sunday and the outreach and, and so on. You know how many meetings this church has had since its inception? It's had over 10,000 meetings. I did a bit of maths. Over 10,000. Over 10,000 meetings where someone would stand up and say, hey, come on, why don't we stand and begin to worship God? Where someone would get up and, 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 and begin to share a, a thought, a message, where they prayed during that week and prayed and believed that God would speak that, that Sunday or that for that meeting. And they would come to those meetings and then they would go home. Majority of those meetings were kind of ordinary, uh, regular, mundane. But in the midst of the ordinary, two things happened. First, the church grew. Church grew one person at a time, one family at a time. The church grew. It was, it was like, like the early church says, uh, book of Acts says, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Here they were gathering together in the temple courts. They were meeting together in their homes. And the Lord was adding to their number daily those who were being saved. And what started out as a handful of people is now over a thousand people that call this church their home. 600 people that gather every single weekend. Uh, every, every, you know, we've got a few services. Um, we've got the, uh, the, the, the Chinese service. We've got the Spanish service, Italian, English. There's over 600 people that gather every single weekend here. Not only has the church continued to grow, but in the midst of the ordinary, at different times, it's as if suddenly it went to another level. It's as if suddenly the church moved to another level. Uh, they were meeting in a home and kept growing. And so they said, well, we can't keep meeting in this house. We need to find uh, a, another facility. And so uh, one week they were meeting in a home. The next week they were in a rented facility in Compton Street here in, in, in the markets, near the markets there. The building is still there. Kept on growing service after service, one family at a time, one person at a time, one service at a time, one prayer meeting at a time. And then... Uh, again, they decided to purchase their own property. In 1972, they moved to a facility in Queen Street. So one week, they're in this rented facility. The next week, they're in their own building. And they're in Queen Street. Um, again, they kept on having one service after another. Church continued to grow, one person at a time, one family at a time. 25 years ago, we moved into this facility. We love and enjoy today. It was in the midst of what seemed ordinary that the church at times just went to a new level didn't happen every week. Um, we haven't grown in leaps and bounds, but, but there's been steady growth by the grace of God, by the grace of God, by the grace of God. And because of that growth, we're at a point where we can't fit everyone here on a Sunday morning. Most of the seats here are filled. As I said, we already have a few services on the weekend, and we've decided as a leadership to begin a second English service on a Sunday. Last year, we had a survey and uh, it was voluntary. Um, um, so we asked people about preferences regarding uh, service times. And uh, the overall response uh, was for the Sunday morning to be a time where people would come to church. Um, three o'clock was out and five o'clock. There was a few, but, but really it was really about Sunday morning. And so as a leadership team, we've made a decision. And uh, at the end of this month, uh, the last... Friday, we're going to take a step of faith and move into the unknown. 
uh, and our Italian service is going to move to 9 a.m., and then we're going to have two English services on a Sunday morning, uh, one at 10.15 and one at 11.45. Three main reasons why we're doing this. Um, one is uh, seating is one of them. We've kind of reached capacity in terms of seating. Car parking is really challenging, and uh, our children's area is another issue as well. We have over 100 kids in that area, and uh, it's a struggle uh, for, for them out there. So uh, because of those three reasons, um, we've been talking about this for a number of years and kind of resisting the change, uh, but we just feel like this is the time for us to take a step of faith. There's a few things I want to say about this change. Number one, change is always difficult. Many people who love change here, many people love change. Some people like change. I hate it. Okay, sorry, just letting you know. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. <laughs> um, so this isn't going to be easy. Um, and let's acknowledge that and say it's going to take some time for us to get used to and find out which service best suits us and so on. There will be some teething problems and we'll work through those by the grace of God. Um, second thing, which is really, really important, this is a trial. All right? This is not setting concrete. Uh, we're going to try this out for two or three months. Uh, and if it goes well, then we'll continue on. Most churches that have gone to multiple services, they trial it for a while. Uh, sometimes they go back and then they try it again. One, one thing is for sure, we need to start another service. That's, that's sure. Uh, exactly what time? We're not 100% sure. But we're going to keep on experimenting until we find what, what works best for the congregation. If this change goes well, then I will personally take the credit for it, okay? If it goes really well. <laughs> If it fails, we will blame the leadership team together. We'll come against them, all right? It was their fault. That's what a leader does. No, that's what a leader does. It's a good leader. Um, as I said, we're going to try it out and see how it goes in, in two or three months, and then, and then we'll come back and, and, and make a decision. Um, like all transitions, it's scary and exciting. It's exciting in one way. It's scary in another. And um, if you can come to as many services as you can, and just support this time of transition, we'd, we'd, we'd really, really appreciate that. Certainly want encourage you to pray that God will guide us and lead us through this process. Um, for the workers, some are going to think there's going to mean a lot more work, and it certainly will be more work initially. Um, what we've thought as a leadership team is that we want to try and just keep things consistent for the next, for the trial period anyway, certainly for the, for the first four weeks, uh, so we can see exactly what it's going to look like, and then we'll make some decisions about rostering and so on. Um, at this stage, children's workers will finish at 1 p.m. instead of 12.30 p.m. Um, cafe will start at 9 and finish at 11.30, so there's going to be a little bit more time. So we're going to try and leave things as, as, as much the same as possible until we know exactly the numbers that we have in both services, and then we'll alter the, um, the rosters uh, accordingly. So just if we could just pray that you would support us uh, during this particular time, that would be great. Um, and obviously pray, and let's believe that God is going to do some great things through us. Amen? Uh, last year, uh, the Deaf Ministry, uh, we're having a luncheon here at church, and um, a couple of guys uh, walked into church and asked to speak to one of the leaders. Uh, one was a Lutheran pastor from Adelaide, and another one was a, a Lutheran historian uh, that was visiting and studying uh, the Lutheran church uh, here in Australia. He asked about the history of our church, and Pastor Joseph spoke to him about how we started in some homes and we moved uh, some different locations and then finally uh, how we got here on this particular location. 
uh, they said, um, do you know it's not an accident that there's a church right here on this site? Joe said, what do you mean? He said, well, on the church and WE's land, like this land here, WEA and this church, was where the first Lutheran church was built in Adelaide. It was built in 1849. Here's a photograph of that church. Um, there should be another one. Just go to the third one. That's the one there. So that's a photograph from Hume Lane, looking at the church um, from the back of it. And the other side is the, is, is the face that faces Angus Street. Um, church was demolished in, in 19... Uh, 46. In fact, on the WEA wall uh, is a plaque um, that was on that church. Can you put that plaque up? That's it there. So on the WEA wall is still this particular plaque that says, Site of Trinity Lutheran Church, First Lutheran Church in the City of Adelaide, dedicated the 2nd of June, 1849, demolished July 1946. And then it talks about when the plaque was erected on there. Mr. Angus, Angus Street, uh, he was a Christian, a dedicated Christian, and he sponsored the first Lutheran pastor uh, to come as a missionary to reach out to the Aboriginals living here in Adelaide. That's, that's the location where we are. And so we feel like we're not here by accident, that we're here by divine appointment. And while the change of services is motivated because space restrictions, that's not our main focus and that's not our main reason. Our main reason is we want to see more people come to a knowledge of Jesus Christ. We still believe in the power of the gospel. We still believe that when a person gives their life to Jesus Christ, their life can be radically changed. We still believe that when, when a person comes to know Christ, their marriage can be different. Their family can be different because of Jesus Christ. You know, uh, we could say, church is comfortable. What, what's, re, what's, what's resisted the change for me personally anyway, I can tell you is this is beautiful. This is beautiful. We come to church on a Sunday morning. The music is at a good level. The place is full. When you guys worship and lift your hands, it's amazing. It's amazing. It feels great to come to church on a Sunday morning. And that's why we're kind of resisting the change because if we have the congregation, we're going to be able to actually hear your voice. So it's going to be, oh, I don't know how it's going to go. You know what I mean? Um, it's, change is always difficult. But what motivates us is that there are people in Adelaide that don't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And that's what's most important of all. Um, we thank God for the many lives that have, this church has touched over the years. And we're praying that God will continue to use this church to reach out to many, 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 many more. Because we were one of those people that were out there. You know, the Bible talks about the, the, the hundred sheep and and you know one of the sheep starts to wander and Jesus the Bible says leaves the shepherd leaves the 99 and he goes after that one sheep that was that was lost and we were that one sheep and Jesus Jesus left the 99 that might have felt uncomfortable because the shepherd wasn't there but he leaves the 99 and he goes in search of that one and we were that one and Jesus left the 99 and he came in search for you and me and I believe there's a 
a ton of people here in Adelaide that need to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And thank God there are churches all over Adelaide, great churches that are, that are serving and worshiping God and hearing the voice of God and sensing the presence of God, reaching out to different segments of our city. And we certainly want to be part of what Jesus is doing here in Adelaide. As the book of Job says, though your beginning was small, yet your latter end would increase abundantly. Isn't that a great scripture? <laughs> though your beginning was small, um, your latter end would increase abundantly by the grace of God and for the glory of God. Because that's what this is really all about. Would you stand with me? Just two really important principles this morning from, from the Word. Don't underestimate the power of the mundane the routine and number two out of the ordinary God does the extraordinary that's true of our lives and that's true of the church and that's true of the kingdom of God and um, secondly I just want us to pray and just believe that God is going to do some great things in and through our lives and the life of this church so I'm just going to close in prayer and I just want you to pray for the church just for a minute let's kind of unite together with one voice one heart just pray, say, God, do something with this church. God, we just want to believe you're going to do something great, that your glory is going to come, that lives are going to be changed. I want you to just, just think about maybe the people in your own circle, maybe who don't know Christ as their Lord and Savior. Maybe there's someone here today, you've never, ever given your life to Jesus Christ. Why don't you do that today? I can tell you, your life will never be the same again. Come on, I just want you to pray for someone that doesn't know Jesus Christ, because that's what the church is really all about. It's what the church is really all about. That's our mission. And so, Father, we just thank you for your grace and mercy. And we just thank you, Lord God, that you're with us, you guide and you lead. And we just thank you, Father God, that your desire is to meet with us, to speak to us, to do something with our lives. We thank you for this church. You've been so good to us, God. You've been faithful to us. You've been so good to us, Lord God so faithful, Lord God. And we just say thank you, Father God, from the bottom of our heart. And Lord, as we look at this change, just guide and lead us by your Spirit, Lord God. We know your heart is to see many more people come to, to know you as the Lord and Savior. That's your heart. And, that, and we want your heart to be our heart, Lord God, I pray in Jesus' name. So guide and lead us by your Spirit. Protect us. And let us see your glory come amongst us. This is our prayer. And we ask it in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people say, Amen and amen. God bless you. Have a great week in Jesus' name. Amen.